Good afternoon and welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. This show was created with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together, we can all make a difference, and it begins with love. Love from the hip. Enmeshment is a concept in psychology first introduced by family therapist Salvador Minutian to describe families where personal boundaries are diffused and unclear, roles are undifferentiated, and the interest in pleasing and caring for others leads to a loss of autonomous development. Although it isn't just families that can suffer from enmeshment, Essentially, two or more people who are emotionally close are sufficient. Typically, in family enmeshment, it is the child who loses their sense of self in aiming to constantly please, as well as take on the parent's hardships and feelings as their own. The two become emotionally fused together in a very unhealthy and codependent way. Oftentimes, as author Bradshaw pointed out, a child of the opposite sex will become the surrogate spouse to their mother or father. The causes of enmeshment can vary widely. However, certain traumas, illnesses, addictions, or social disorders of a child can bring about a protective parent who gets stuck into the pattern of repeating their intervention, even when it is no longer needed, as in simple day-to-day interactions. Enmeshment is also thought to be passed down generationally, where boundaries can become more and more fluid with each passing generation, Of course, other causes of enmeshment can be a parent's guilt, low self-esteem, lack of self-worth, need for overcompensation, and simply a desire to relive their life through the child's. There are many burdens that come along with enmeshment, including relying on a child at a young age to take care of their parents when they are not emotionally mature enough to do so. Parents sharing information that is not appropriate to share with their child because they rely on their child for friendship and emotional support, as well as a child having no privacy, no alone time, or no time with their peers. Others include a child prioritizing the parent's needs above their own, a lack of respect for their own feelings, not knowing how to feel their own feelings, as well as no desire for self-discovery. Adolescence is the prime time for children to feel the need to exercise their autonomy. They begin spending more time with their friends and are immersed in a deep exploration to know themselves. Adolescents of enmeshed families aren't encouraged to explore their own identities, nor become emotionally mature and independent. As a result, they feel trapped and get stuck feeling guilty if they want to think or do anything for themselves. In the long run, it can cause a child to have more serious issues in their adulthood, like anxiety, fear of abandonment, codependency in relationships, low self-worth, lack of personal boundaries, and the inability to self-soothe. Family enmeshment can also be seen later in our adulthood when caring for a sick elderly parent, when the child who is now an adult desires to take on all the parent's pain, sickness, and stuff. An empath is loosely referred to as a person that also takes on everybody's stuff. So how does empathy differ from enmeshment? Empathy can be defined as the ability to understand, support, and share the feelings of another. Oftentimes, boundaries can be unclear with empathy, just like enmeshment. And empaths will allow themselves to take on all the other person's emotions and even illnesses, like in the case of empathic illness. When a person feels the emotions of others inside their own bodies, to the extent they don't know whose emotion it is or what exactly they are feeling, although this has been construed as empathy, 
This is actually enmeshment. Empathy can be a wonderful and healthy behavior as long as it has intention and is self-respecting. This looks like being able to regulate your own emotions, being able to recognize who you are, and knowing when and how to soothe yourself in the presence of the emotions of others. Empathy is meant to awaken and motivate you, not drain or disable you, and it is not limited to one particular sensation or emotion. For example, we laugh when others laugh, and we yawn when others yawn. We essentially mirror those around us, which is important because the transmission of emotion is what enables us to feel connected to others. This is critical to our survival and well-being and allows us to balance the self-serving nature of humans otherwise. We are wired for empathy, provided the neurological blueprint for empathy has been nurtured in our childhood. Just like enmeshment, the lack of empathy in a childhood environment can create a lot of problems. There is hard scientific evidence that a child who experiences repeated emotional shocks born through child abuse or neglect can over time corrode the brain regions that regulate emotion, which then harms the capacity for empathy and worse, can lead to psychopathy. We need empathy to create empathy, and empathy is definitely not enmeshment. Similar to both, however, it is the emotional and physical boundaries which not only help empaths to remain healthy, but also help to alleviate the negative cycle of an enmeshed relationship. Today on Love from the Hip, I have the pleasure of having Taylor Houchins on my show. Taylor is a psychotherapist and men's coach. He will share his own personal story about enmeshment, powerful modalities to help one overcome it, as well as other traumas, and more. Plus, later on the show, Taylor will walk you through a body scan to help you regulate your nervous system, which is so beneficial right now. So stick around. You won't want to miss it. Are you trying to boost your fertility and get pregnant? Not sure what to eat during your current pregnancy? Are you currently breastfeeding during postpartum? Sacred Medicine Mamas can help you to map out and optimize your pre-pregnancy, pregnancy, and postpartum journey. Allow Dr. Janelle Clayton, chiropractor, and holistic nutritionist Marjorie Glenn to help you thrive during this special time in your life. We offer high-quality nutritional supplements, meal planning, as well as mindfulness practices for your overall well-being. Shop our online store and holistic dispensary to find the best organic and natural products for you and baby. Set up a virtual consultation today. Results are priceless. Book a free consultation now by going to sacredmedicinemamas.com. That's sacredmedicinemamas.com. Or call 541 639 4575. That's 541-639-4575. The veil is a line between physical and non-physical realities, between spirit and matter. Listen in to Go Beyond the Veil, an exciting new show every second Wednesday of each month from 2 to 3 p.m. In this engaging and informational jam-packed radio hour, hosts Sakura Sutter and Rory Reich interview folks who make a living crossing the veil, assisting others on their journeys of healing and self-discovery. Drawing from their own experiences, Sakura and Rory have come to realize how challenging it can be to understand it all. So they will ask the hard questions to not only reveal more truths and clarity, but in an effort to make spiritual sense. They hope by offering you, the listener, a resource where science meets spirituality that you too can finally put your skepticism to rest once and for all. So join them as they go beyond the veil. 
Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray, free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at asteracare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A care.com. Is your tween starting to experience a change in their skin? Want to get them on an easy at-home routine and have good skin hygiene? Allow Sakura Skin in Mind to help your tween out. This brief, deep cleansing and educational 35-minute facial is just enough to get your tween, ages 10 to 12 years old, started off in the right direction. Sakura Skin in Mind uses the latest in the clinical skincare industry to care for your tween the right way for just $65. Sakura Skin in Mind, treating skin out there with an ounce of treatment and a pound of protection. Call 206-730-7429 or go to sakuraskinandmind.com. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my YouTube channel and podcast, Love from the Hip, that's H-Y-P, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the absolute joy of having Taylor Houchins on my show. Taylor is a psychotherapist and men's coach. Hey, Taylor, thanks for being here today. Hey, Sakura. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. And where are you joining us from? Asheville, North Carolina. I just moved here about a week ago, actually. Oh, how wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful here. I love it. So how long have you been a psychotherapist? Uh, Five years. And what was the catalyst for you becoming a psychotherapist? Uh, my first love was uh, music and drumming. And then I, I tried teaching music and drumming and it was like babysitting. I hated it. So <laughs> I moved back home with my parents and uh, started doing some soul searching. And I decided to shadow the therapist that I saw when I was younger. I think when I was 12 years old, I had trichotillomania so I would pull my hair out because I had anxiety uh due to like due to swimming and performance anxiety and um and so I was growing a bald spot on the back of my head and my therapist helped me overcome it and it was super empowering and so I reached out to her uh about 10 years later and said, can I sit in on some of your sessions? And so she got the consent of the client to allow me to just quietly sit there in the corner and I got to observe what happened. And it was everything that I've been wanting. It was raw, it was real. Uh, um, They were going deep. They were talking about the stuff that I think we all wish we felt safe enough to talk about in public, Mm. but we, it's just, you know, a more superficial kind of interaction in public these days. So I got to taste that and uh, I just lit up and I knew I had to do it. That's, that's awesome. 
<laughs> so aside from what you went through as a child with that, what other trauma did you have to overcome? Um, <clears throat> my main, the, my main work has been to develop healthy boundaries for myself and, um, to figure out how to be in healthy relationship with women or the feminine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that relates back to my relationship with my mother, uh, when I was younger and how some programs were really set for me and, uh, therefore created a lot of issues in, in my relationships with my partners. And when women. did it start with your mother? Um, well, what I'm, what I'm uncovering in, in my somatic therapy. So I'm, I'm seeing a, uh, somatic experiencing and sensory motor, uh, psychotherapist right now. Uh -huh. And, and what I'm uncovering is that it, it goes, uh, back to the womb, really. Um, and there were some uh, programs that were set in womb and also in uh, early childhood and in the first two years. I can't quite remember that, of course. Um, and then, um, however, my, my own mom has uh, you know, come forth um, with some information. Of, she, she told me recently that she... Uh, would uh, tuck me in when I was younger and she would talk to me about her problems because she didn't feel that she really had the, the resources. And so I basically became her therapist. Mm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think uh, mom, she loved me uh, deeply and um, yeah, starting to realize that it was a little too much, mm -hmm. uh, an un unhealthy amount. There wasn't that, um, that, that boundary, that respectful boundary there. So was this um, enmeshment then? Yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 And so how would someone know that it could start in the womb? How um, can you support that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think they have to have some, uh, some pretty extraordinary experiences to realize or to know that it happened in the womb. Perhaps um, a dream or some uh, flashback, or perhaps they're, they're going deep in some kind of uh, therapeutic work and mm -hmm. they act, can access that uh, memory or that information or even that sense or feeling. But um, it's not really a, a knowing because, you know, that, that sets who we are. It sets our identity. It sets our personality and the way we see the world. So um, there's not really a knowing until someone decides to uh, turn inward to do that personal work and that introspection. Okay. And so now along with enmeshment, did you also have abandonment issues as, as a child or even just now as an adult? Um, so the, the possible abandonment that I'm exploring right now is that when I was, when I was born, I came out of the womb and my hips were turned inward. And, um, and so the doctors recommended that I put a, a metal bar in between my feet to uh, correct my hips, to turn my feet uh, back out uh, normally. And so um, I was left in the crib um, next to the bed, next to my parents' bed. Um, however, uh, I was, um, the, there was, I was restrained. Uh, and I was most likely wanting help, mm. um, because it didn't feel, uh, normal 
right. for me to be restrained that way. But then, but there was no one there to, to help me feel free. Um, and so I most likely perceived that as abandonment. Like I was, uh, I was just seeking, seeking like someone help and no, and, and, no, and no one was there. Nothing was there to help me feel free. Right. And that must have been really confusing because here you have this mother who's suffocating you with love, but then you're also feeling this abandonment as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. No wonder I'm a therapist. <laughs> hey, you know, every therapist has to do their own therapy, right? I mean, oh, yeah, of course. Healing. That's, yeah, it's part of the protocol. So so how might someone know they are suffering from enmeshment or abandonment as an adult? What are some telltale gonna, signs? Yeah. So it's going to play out in relationships. Um, abandonment may look like. Well, I'll start with enmeshment. I'm uh, more familiar with that. Um, so enmeshment is going to be, um, I know that I exist in the world when I am merged with another, if I, when I am enmeshed with another. So that could look like um, not wanting to be out of relationship, not wanting to be uh, single. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could also look like losing yourself when you're in relationship um, and merging with the other person. and Like taking um, on all their hobbies and interests and va- like um, leaving your, your own? <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Um, more specifically for me, it's like, wow, I can't wait to be with this person again. I can't. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I've got my own hobbies and my own interests, but I all I can think about is the next time for us to just uh, embrace each other and to hug and to feel that, that unity and that oneness. Um, so how do you differentiate, though, that from just wanting to be with the person or just having a lot of love for the person? Yeah, good question. Um it usually results in issues down the line. I would say uh, in the new relationship energy in the beginning, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's awesome. And then um, it, they usually create some issues down the line where um, the other person is, you know, doesn't have the same, possibly the same trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, yo, I need some space. <laughs> and then, that could be offensive or it could be triggering and then making me want to uh, cling on even tighter. And then, uh, and then there's just tension that starts to build in that relationship because there's, it's not two independent, healthy people cohabitating. Mm -hmm. Um, It gets possessive and jealous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, so with abandonment, what are some of the signs that you will notice? That could be, um, uh, fear of fear of being abandoned. Um, so possibly uh, subconsciously attracting partners who are not going to leave you. Hmm. Um, well, I'll, I'll speak. I'll speak in I statements. So I will. I will attract uh, attract women who haven't done as much of their personal work. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna need me. They have their their own wounds that they haven't healed, that they haven't really worked on yet, and so they're gonna need me because they're possibly uh, uh, afraid of being alone, or mm-hmm. 
or they see a lot of value in, in something that I could offer as, as this, um, as, as a therapist or as a, a, a man who uh, is working in this field. And so, um, then it's like, okay, cool. They're not going to leave. I'm right. not going to be abandoned. And then it gets to, um, a place in the relationship where I'm like, oh my gosh, this person has got their issues and they're not doing their work. They're not um, seeing a therapist or they're not going going in and, and, and healing. And so mm-hmm. it's creating issues. And now I'm afraid to get out of the, the relationship because then I'm going to be single and I'm going to be with, with myself. And... Uh, so it seems I'm like a vicious simul- cycle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I get to that place at the end of the relationship where I'm simultaneously like annoyed with this person, but afraid to break it off. Right. And so it just creates all this chaos. It's, so, I'm over it. I'm so done with it. <laughs> <laughs> so these are two pretty common is- issues, you would say. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah. especially in, in our world today. Um, and now, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you, but is there a difference between enmeshment and codependency? Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I've, I've, uh, I've always lumped those two together. Yeah. Um, one kind of creates of- the other. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would say that um the child experiences the enmeshment um which then creates the codependency. Okay. And then do you also believe that maybe enmeshment can also create empathy? Oh, 100%. And um, so do you think empaths are more likely to become involved in enmeshed relationships? empaths so that is it is it healthy empathy or is it or is it not right yeah Um, i mean i guess it can waver right (laughs) yeah yeah so i think there's um there are the there's the true empathy there's the true empath Mm -hmm. uh the healthy empath uh, and then there's the the wounded um individual where there's um an excess amount of empathy um so yeah, that, that difference between the two there. And, and then that, that excess amount of empathy can, uh, well, there's just those healthy boundaries just aren't set in place. It's like, okay. yeah. um, like who, who am I mm-hmm. um, in relationship to this person? Or am I, am I gonna take on this uh, other person's stuff because uh, those boundaries weren't respected in childhood for me? Or in my case, I really come to know that I exist and I know who I am when I'm blended with another. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what might be some simple steps in creating these healthy boundaries? Uh, I would say the first thing to do <clears throat> is sit down on the floor and grab a rope, uh, possibly a string, um, Look around, maybe roll up some towels and then uh, put a boundary around yourself and then and then sit in it 
And you could even imagine that rope like extending up around you uh, as a bubble or um, imagining what it's made out of. Maybe it's metal or maybe it's uh, brick or translucent. Um, yeah, you can get real creative there. And then just, and then no one can come inside that boundary without your permission. And so you start to feel that safety and to let your nervous system feel like, hey, this is my space mm. and I don't allow anything or anyone inside of the here with my permission. And you can even vocalize that out loud and then hang out in there and let your nervous system get used to that. And if you want to take it a step further, you can find a friend or a family member and you can say, hey, I'm going to sit inside here and I want you to start to walk towards me and walk towards this boundary. And <clears throat> if you notice that they start walking towards you and you're maybe, maybe they're walking towards the right side of you and then your right arm starts to activate and light up before they even get to your boundary, most likely the boundary is too tight. Hmm. So go ahead and extend that boundary. And, and, and then that's where the fear of taking up space comes in. It's like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to extend this boundary. Am I worthy of taking up space? And so play with that, start to extend the boundary, make it even larger, tell the other person to step back. I'm going to extend it here and now feel what that feels like. And mm. more often than not, the nervous system is going to relax even deeper and even more, and it's going to feel really good and possibly unfamiliar. And then hang out there and then tell that person, all right, start walking around again. And uh, let me see what that feels like. And it's most likely going to feel a lot safer. And that's going to reprogram the nervous system right there in that experience. And you're going to begin to move around the world with a, a greater sense of boundaries. Like, where do I start and stop? Um, where, where that circle, where you were moving around before that circle was much tighter, um, as you were navigating the world. Oh, that's a great exercise. So essentially we're building a fort and sitting in it. Yes. I did so much of that when I was little. A pillow <laughs> fort. Still awesome. doing it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, with that, we're going to take a break, but everyone stay tuned for the weekly skinny. On this weekly skinny, I would like to talk about peptides. The skin definitely loves peptides. These amino acids, which make up specific proteins your skin craves, help to stimulate collagen, which in turn helps with fine lines, wrinkles, crepiness, and overall skin aging. More recently, the rage around peptides has now included injecting them. This is not to be confused with a filler, which may instantly plump up the lips or fill in a wrinkle. No, this injectable peptide, according to many healthcare professionals, instead helps with accelerated weight loss, improved fat burning, increased muscle mass and strength, improved quality of sleep, increased libido, increased metabolism, improved skin elasticity, and overall healthy, younger-looking skin. And they are typically injected abdominally. How does it work? These peptides bind to a receptor in the pituitary gland to cause a powerful surge in your own natural production of human growth hormone. One injectable peptide that is getting a lot of press right now is called ipamorelin. This is a simple peptide made up of a chain of five amino acids which promotes and triggers the production of growth hormone in the human pituitary. Normally, hormones may trigger the release of multiple other chemicals or hormones which causes side effects. 
but ipamorelin is more limited in its action and scope by just triggering growth hormone release. And human growth hormone is a critical chemical the body uses for a range of different purposes. So why not just use human growth hormones then to get the same effects? Well, direct treatment with human growth hormone has significant side effects. Providing synthetic growth hormone directly into the body is not a natural process, causes spikes and uneven levels of hormones circulating in your system, and greatly increases the likelihood of side effects, including serious side effects such as an increased cancer risk. This is not dissimilar from other forms of hormone treatment such as estrogen or testosterone. Peptides like ipamorelin are different, however, in that they aren't hormones themselves. Rather, by mimicking the action of certain triggering molecules and hormones, they trigger the body, specifically the pituitary gland, to produce and release its own natural growth hormones in a consistent, stable way. This reduces or eliminates the vast majority of the side effects as compared to direct hormonal treatment. That's one of the main reasons anti-aging peptides have become so popular. You get the benefits of hormonal replacement or treatment without significant known risks. Possible side effects, however, can include redness, irritation, or itchiness at the injection site, increased appetite or hunger, dry mouth, nausea, and for some, weight gain. The jury is still out on these injectable peptides, but it certainly sounds promising. Did you know that there's power in the number three? Not only is it the number that our brains remember best, it's also the triad, as it contains a beginning, a middle, and an end, so it represents wholeness. What better way to absorb information than from the power of three? Coaches Sakura Sutter, Rory Reich, and Brenda Reese on the Conscious Coaching Hour. This brand new live show airs the fourth Wednesday of every month from 2 to 3 p.m. These three intuitive and transformational coaches will reveal their own life experiences, share candid conversations, and offer up advice using their individual spiritual gifts, intuition, and intellect to help you overcome the challenges you may be facing in life. No matter where you are, the Conscious Coaching Hour will meet you there and shed light on the things that matter most to help awaken your intuition and inner coach and to help you live your best life tune in starting november 25th ready to shake things up try alternative talk 1150 welcome back to love from the hip i'm spiritual hypnotherapist master esthetician and your host sakura sutter today i have the pleasure of having taylor houchins on my show taylor is a psychotherapist and men's coach so taylor i was hoping that you could touch on sensory motor psychotherapy yeah sure um, so I'll just state that I'm not trained in sensory motor. I'm um, halfway through my training for somatic experiencing and uh, sensory motor and psycho and somatic experiencing are pretty similar. I'm receiving sensory motor psychotherapy from uh, my therapist currently. Um, so sensory motor um, is a, a somatic form of therapy. Um, and it originates from the, the way that, uh, it's from the idea that of how trauma gets stored in the nervous system. Um, so we have a fight, fight, flight, or freeze response as mammals, all mammals do. And uh, if we can't successfully fight or flee, we go into freeze. So, but, but what our system, our nervous system wants to do 
is it wants to fight or flee. And if it can't do either of those things, where does the energy go? Well, it stays in the nervous system and in the brain and it's waiting for completion. And through sensory motor psychotherapy, we're able to figure out what is that energy that wants to complete. Um, and, and then how to, how do we set the right conditions for the nervous system to feel safe enough for it to then, uh, move through the body? How can we allow it to move through the body? Okay. All right. And so and one, go ahead. one part of sensory motor psychotherapy that's pretty unique is, is the satisfaction cycle. Um, so, uh, as, as infants, uh, we, we go through about five executive motor functions. It's uh, yield, push, uh, reach, grasp, pull, and then essentially yield again. And, and that's that cycle that uh, we want to health, healthfully experience, but sometimes it gets thwarted. Mm-hmm. And so essentially people get stuck in one of those motory functions as a baby. Is that what happened to you? Uh, yeah, I would say uh, my, my push uh, didn't come online um, due to the uh, just wanted to just be around me so much. And I was just, um, it was just s- such, such a blessing to her. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that was uh, unhealthy. It's like, she, you know, she just couldn't get enough. Um, and and that, so my is that nervous- pushing still, is that established when, in the womb when the child pushes against the mother? Y- yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. And go on your um, nervous system, sorry. Yeah, and then, and then even after that, um, you know, just, uh, maybe being held for too long or, or just, um, not, you know, not having my, my space, not my, my personal space. Um, uh, you know, I, I, what my nervous system wanted to do was to, it wanted to push, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not going to push away God. I'm not going to push away my main source of love and connection in the world. Um, to me, she, she's everything she's God. Um, and so I'm going to override my push because if I cut my, if I push away, if I cut myself off from that thing, that essentially means death for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to just override my push and I'm not going to uh, allow that to come online. And then that stays with me. And, um, and essentially uh, starts to affect other areas of my life, especially in relationships. And it creates that enmeshment with partners that I was referring to earlier. Wow. And so then you're having to relearn those five basic motor functions. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, so I can yield. Um, Basically I can uh, surrender and totally relax. Um, However, when it starts to get to that next one of push, um, that one's not familiar to me. So, uh, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll sit in the chair and I'll just ever so slightly start to activate my my feet and uh, and my and my legs. Mm-hmm. But really, I'm focusing on my belly button. 
from my, my core right there. And that's where I want to engage from. And I just want to start to push just, just 1%, not a whole lot. Right. And I want my nervous system to feel what that little tiny push feels like. And, uh, and for, for me, uh, I, I got emotional. I, as I started to just barely tap into that push, I noticed that I just wanted to cry for some reason. And so I felt safe enough with my therapist that I, that emotion just started to well up. And then I just started, tears just started coming. And, and she's like, good, just let it come, just let it come. Right. And I would just start to let the push, I would keep the push happening, let the tears come, and then we would take a break and titrate. So it's important to not just keep going with it. It's important to let the nervous system digest what's happening. So we would take a break and that's called titration. Mm -hmm. So I would have some breaths in there. And then after a minute or two of, of just hanging out, I would dive right back into it. So can I ask you when you see your mother now, is it re-triggered or does it seem that you've been doing the therapy and it's working? Yeah, I've been doing the therapy and it's working. Um, I'm able to, I'm able to have, I'm able to just feel like uh, more of myself. Mm -hmm. I'm able to actually feel um, more of like an energetic boundary, an energetic field around me. Whereas before, I'm just blending in with everything, uh, you know, relationships, mom, uh, people. But now I have this, this, this ability to, to push and I can, um, so what I, what I was doing, I was leaving self, I was leaving self energy and now I'm just more embodied. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more in myself, in my nervous system, more synapses are connecting and firing and I'm just more whole and complete. And so I know where I start and stop in the world and uh, I just have a better sense of self. That's fantastic. So let's talk it's, about... It's, it's incredible. It's everything. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about... We were talking about storing. Where, where do we store trauma? Where does that happen? Yeah, it gets stored in the nervous system and also in the amygdala, in the limbic system of the brain. Um, and, and that's why I really stopped doing talk therapy. Uh, I just don't really have a whole lot of interest in it anymore. Uh, I would, we could, we could talk about our trauma to death with, you know, me personally and with my clients and we could know everything about it, but then the patterns don't change still. Hmm. Um, so I'm realizing that it's about either going into the, the nervous system through the language of sensation and activation. So, uh, you know, are you feeling tingling? in your left arm right now? Or are you feeling uh, heat coming up the top of your head? Um, or so, so that's uh, sensation through the nervous system. And then I'm also using uh, EMDR and that is using eye movements to access trauma that's stored in the limbic system and in the amygdala in the brain. And so how does EMDR really work? Yeah, um, so, uh, I forgot to mention that the, the why I, why the talk therapy isn't that effective for healing trauma is because the talking only engages the prefrontal cortex, this front part of our brain, uh -huh. not the amygdala. Okay. Um, and uh, what was the question about EMDR? Yeah, and so how does that really work? What? 
Can you it's a phenomenon. <laughs> it's a phenomenon. Uh, Francine Shapiro, uh, she developed it uh, in the 80s, I believe. And uh, she was walking down the sidewalk and she was um, thinking about some uh, really distressing events that she's been going through. And she just decided to move her eyes back and forth with each step on each side of the sidewalk. And she noticed that she started to have uh, some realizations and dots were connecting. And so she then was like, she was a therapist, and so she then told her or her colleagues, "Hey, look at my fingers and think about this painful thing." And then her colleagues were like, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" And um, so, what happens is there's some kind of phenomenon that happens through bilateral stimulation of the right and left hemisphere of the brain. So when you move your eyes to the left, that activates the right hemisphere of the brain. And then when you move your eyes to the right across the midline, it activates the left hemisphere of the brain. And if you, if you, if the limbic system is simultaneously activated while the eyes are moving left and right, it helps to process the trauma. Um, and that's just the phenomenon, you know, I, yeah. I don't know why and, we're made that way, but it's really cool. And so it works for trauma. What else would you recommend it for? Um, desensitization, like, like PTSD too. If uh-huh. there's like a, it, it desensitizes. So it stands for eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. So the desensitization happens when there's just too much activation in the nervous system and in the body from a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's um, acute or maybe it's been happening for a while and it just, the, I just can't calm down or I can't sleep or I've got insomnia. Um, and this thing is just, it's disturbing me. So it helps to, the eye movements help to desensitize that high level activation. And then once that's desensitized, we can go into the reprocessing. And the reprocessing uh, pertains to more of the trauma that's been stuck in there and we just have learned to live with. Um, So I guess, man, so I'm going to talk about dad. (laughs) Mom and and dad, I hope you guys are not listening. Uh, So my, uh, my issue was, so the current issue that I chose to use for EMDR as me receiving it in EMDR was uh, why am I afraid to approach women? Well, it's essentially because I believe I'm unworthy. All right. Now we got to find memories of me feeling like I'm unworthy. And I went all the way back down to eight years old when my dad spanked me. And um, I vividly remember him coming down the hall and, and coming to spank me. And uh, he, I remember he hit me and then I just, it just broke me. It broke my heart. And I just, there was a, there, it just, it created this unworthiness in me. I'm unworthy of my father's love. Something's wrong with me. I'm broken. Mm. And I have carried that with me ever since. And once I started holding on to that memory and feeling the, the, the pain of it while moving my eyes, I had a vision of him coming down the hall as a child to come spank me. And then I started moving my eyes again. And then it just clicked that like, you know what? My dad was just acting from his stunted kid self. If he actually knew better, he would have not hit me. But 
he didn't know better because he's been through his own trauma. He was just really doing the best that he knew how to do. Mm. And it's actually not, none of this is about me. I'm not unworthy. This was all about my dad. And in fact, he was just trying to love me and, and teach me. It was right. really coming from a good place. Wow. And, so and you learned all of that through EMDR. <laughs> I learned all of that in 30 minutes of EMDR. That's and so awesome. my un- unworthiness lifted. That's and awesome. Well, I hate to interrupt you, Taylor, but we are going to have to take a break. And remember, when we come back, Taylor's going to walk us through a body scan exercise. Hi, we are Sacred Medicine Mamas, and we are on a mission to help people heal and feel better through a variety of holistic wellness practices. We offer holistic wellness services for busy people who are ready to achieve optimal health. We are a health and wellness clinic and a community of empowered people finding true healing and health. We are not only practitioners passionate about people's health, we too are busy professional people. We have been where you are, and we have experienced similar health issues. This is why we love working with people just like you to help you find true healing of your own. We offer services including chiropractic, massage therapy, weight loss and nutrition, pregnancy and postpartum nutrition, yoga and fitness. Virtual sessions are available. Book an appointment with us today by going to sacredmedicinemamas.com. That's sacredmedicinemamas.com. Or call 541-639-4575. That's 541-639-5475. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H.com. Did you know that there's power in the number three? Not only is it the number that our brains remember best, it's also the triad, as it contains a beginning, a middle, and an end. So it represents wholeness. What better way to absorb information than from the power of three? Coaches Sakura Sutter, Rory Reich, and Brenda Reese on the Conscious Coaching Hour. This brand new live show airs the fourth Wednesday of every month from 2 to 3 p.m. These three intuitive and transformational coaches will reveal their own life experiences, share candid conversations, and offer up advice using their individual spiritual gifts, intuition, and intellect to help you overcome the challenges you may be facing in life. No matter where you are, the Conscious Coaching Hour will meet you there and shed light on the things that matter most to help awaken your intuition and inner coach and to help you live your best life tune in starting november 25th there's a reason they invented the internet it's called 1150 kknw.com welcome back to love from the hip i'm spiritual hypnotherapist master esthetician and your host Sakura sutter today i have the pleasure of having taylor houchins on my show taylor is a psychotherapist and men's coach 
So Taylor, you're going to do a body scan for us, but before you do, can you tell us what it is? Yeah, sure. It's an exercise that helps to relax the nervous system, helps to relax the body. And it essentially gives us context for a relaxed and content nervous system. Um, Sometimes uh, it it can, sometimes our our nervous systems are activated and um, the body scan can bring more of that activation to the surface. And it's just good to just ride that edge if that happens uh, for you, if you're doing this. Um, It also teaches us that we have the power uh, of our of our agency of ourself to be able to uh, calm ourselves down. Okay, and so aside from my listeners refraining from driving or operating heavy machinery, is there anything else that you recommend they do? Um, yeah, either uh, find a spot and lay on the ground, or find a chair uh, in, a, in a private space where there's no distractions. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the floor. All right. Okay, so <laughs> go ahead and. I want you guys to find your laying or seating position and then just tighten every muscle in your body. Go ahead and tighten, tighten the face, scrunch your face. I want you to shrug your shoulders and tighten your fist and your biceps and your back and your abdomen, tighten your abdomen and your legs, your thighs, your calves, come up on your tippy toes, scrunch your toes, get the whole thing going, get the whole thing going. Now, while you're holding it, I want you to take a big deep breath in. Hold it, hold it, hold it. And on the exhale, just let it all go and relax. Just find yourself in your seated or lying position. And you can bring your attention down to the tips of your toes. And just allow as much as you can the floor to hold your toes, to hold your feet. Allow your feet to become heavy. Allow your breath to return to normal breathing rate. Moving up the legs to the ankles and the calves. Bringing your awareness up a little bit more to the knees. Up along to the thighs and the hamstrings. Moving to the hips. Moving up to the abdomen and the lower back. To the chest and the upper back, up to the shoulders allowing it to become soft, heavy, extending down the arms, down to the hands and the fingertips, back up to the shoulders and the neck, loosening the jaw, letting the tongue drop to the bottom of the mouth, noticing the cheeks, allowing the eyes to soften the brow and the tip top of the head and just noticing the totality of your body the vessel that you are residing in and as much as you can allow the floor and the chair to hold you and support you 
How much can you let go? Find that, that area, that edge where you can surrender and trust that the floor and the chair are there to support you. Can you let yourself be held? To what extent can you let yourself be held? And then gently returning your attention back to the body, feeling the chair, feeling the floor, gently opening the eyes and returning to your external environment. Alrighty. Wonderful. And so how often can we do this exercise? What do you recommend? All day, every day. Okay. All right. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, we're, most of us are home anyway, so. <laughs> right, yeah. So, um, I, you, know, you know, we're busy, I would say, uh, you know, once a day. Once okay. a day. Right. Yeah, if you can, morning and night. But we're, you know, we're busy people these days. So just once a day, it's, it, that was four minutes right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it's a, it's a reset. Reset, that's great. We all need that right now. So how can my listeners follow you or learn more about you? Yeah, um, you can email me directly if you would like to. Um, my email is J as in John, T as in Taylor, Halchins at gmail.com. Um, but I'm most vocal on my social media pages um, on Facebook and Instagram. And that's where I'm interacting with most of my clients. Um, so feel free to type my name in, Taylor Halchins, on either of those. And I also have a therapist profile on psychologytoday.com. Wonderful. And that's Taylor Halchins uh, on Psychology Today. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. This is wonderful. <laughs> awesome. And thank you to Eric, my super producer. And you, the listener, you can find me at sakurasutter.com. Really love the show. Don't be shy. Drop me a line at sakuratlovefromthehip.com. And tune in next Wednesday for a spooky edition of Love from the Hip with mediums Kate and Mark. And don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare ya.